You're listening to the Ask Drone You podcast. You ask, we answer your drone questions. Whether you're here to turn your passion into profit or you simply fly for fun, we're a community of learners and teachers who aspire to achieve greatness. We are Drone You. Good morning, good afternoon, and good eye wherever you are. Thank you for listening. We greatly appreciate it. And welcome to another interesting episode of Ask Drone You. We've got a great business question today, Rob. Yeah, we do. I'm really excited to hop into it. I am as well. So let's just get started. And right away, this show is brought to you by the Drone You's new props program. I've said it's built for teams. It's built for helping people, well, build drone programs because there are different seats for pilots and for managers. And if you're looking for policies and procedures templates to make it a lot easier to take advantage of the equipment that you've bought, to use it to its fullest extent, and to be able to ensure that your pilots are proficient and not just current in creating a vast, well, plethora of deliverables from that aircraft, you've got to check out the Props program. You can check it out at props.thedroneu.com or propsflightschool.com. Props is really built to help managers make it easy and convenient to manage various pilots through various nuanced, well, training programs. It helps pilots by creating a sequential and chronological training setup, and they unlock resources as they pass tests and quizzes. Not only that, but it also offers scenario-based tests and quizzes as well to really better ensure proficiency versus currency. So if you're like me and you love to fly and you want to pass that passion on to others and do it in an effective format, Well, you got to check out the props program. Now, also, I just want to say for those serious students out there that thrive on structure like me, well, you got to check out the props program as well. I think you'll dig it. Right on. Hey, Paul and Rob, Tom, again, another question for you. This one's a bit different and it's for each of you. Seeing that you're both successful entrepreneurs, I'm sure you've received a fair amount of uh, advice and criticism in your life. What has been the most meaningful to you? What did you take away from it? And how has it changed you in how you view the world and how you conduct business? Thanks again. Tom, love it. You always ask these uh, thought-provoking questions, and we really appreciate it. AskDroneU.com is where Tom asks his question. It's where you should go ask your question because we want to hear from you. So please do. All right, Paul. I don't know about you, but a few things come to mind. What comes to mind? Um, let's see. Number one is the whole criticism thing. I'm sensitive. I'm a sensitive fella. Mm. You know that. So what's your point here? My point is that... That we got to be able to take criticism? We have to be able to take criticism. We have to be willing to learn? Yeah, so I, I think I mean, there's that some big macro stuff there. I think a couple things come to mind for me, particularly with regards to criticism. One is you have to face the fact that it's going to come, particularly when you're in the public in any form or fashion. But even if you are leading an organization, whether it's public or not, you're never going to please everybody. And I think that sort of along these same lines, there's that old adage that the customer is always right. And I don't necessarily buy into that adage. (laughs) I was waiting. I was like, "Uh uh-oh, here it comes, here it comes. And I hope that people that have worked with us and dealt with me know that treating people well and customer service, et cetera, is incredibly important to me. But I'm sure people would also say that it's the antithesis for me, but I'm not sure if that's right. So anyway, I don't. Well, that just means if somebody is saying that they don't know you, (laughs) the people that know you and have spent time with you, they feel very differently than that. But that said, in fact, we have a great testimonial that just happened 
speaking directly yeah, to that no, point. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. I so, was just making a joke about myself. Anyway, go ahead. I know, and I didn't let you get away with it. <laughs> but we can be self-deprecating later. Anyways, where was I going with this? We were talking about um, criticism, public. What was I talking about? Getting used to it, being ready well, for I it. Well, I mean, I think it's important to be able to embrace criticism as well because if you kind of change your philosophy and you kind of change up the way that you think about criticism mm. to embrace it, then it really means that you believe in the feedback loop and you, that you understand that sometimes the willingness to face that criticism honestly can provide some of the best opportunities to move forward if you are willing to listen. And I agree with you that not every yeah. voice is worth listening to. A hundred percent. But that's where you can kind of follow the rules of threes and say, okay, well, if one person says Peter is an asshole, he he's not an asshole. If if two people <laughs> unless it's a term of endearment. <laughs> if two, which it is. <laughs> if two people say Peter is an asshole, he's not an asshole. But if three people say Peter is an asshole, he is definitely indeed one hundred percent an asshole. What if seventeen people have said that Peter's an asshole? I got nothing. <laughs> no, force but multiplier. I don't know. No, but so I think Peter, that, we love you, by the way. Oh, absolutely, of course. But I think there's also you got to know yourself, right? And this is something that I've learned over the years, and and people have helped me figure this out. And when it comes to managing criticism, like. Paul said, and I was getting to with regards to the customer is not always right. Number one, we're always going to work hard to protect our people, our employees, the people that work with us and for us. Um, if in fact, especially they deserve to be protected. And I would say 99% of the time they do. But I also think about, let's just throw it out there and talk about YouTube and the criticism that comes from there. For me, and this is the management part. I will not go, just so y'all know this. <laughs> I'm probably going to call a little bitch baby or whatever on YouTube. I will not go read those comments because the problem is there's too much internet courage. And it is, number one, they, people don't even use their real name and they just throw crap out that is meaningless. So how can they just expect mean. those comments to be read if they don't use their real yeah. name? Yeah. And I'm just like, man, it, anyways, talk about the lowest common denominator, just I guess I'm being really real this morning. Well, I think that there's a better general rule of thumb, not to interrupt you, but I'm interrupting you. Um, and not I think, to but, I'm gonna. Yeah. Nah, um, right. and, I, and I think what it is is that if you aren't willing to say something to someone's face or say it in person, then you shouldn't be saying it. Yeah, because and that's just not the world we live in. No. And that's uh, part of what I'm saying. No, I understand. Is like, let's just recognize that, but set your... And I just interrupted you back. Oh, no, so it's okay. You're welcome. I guess you just got to, so I guess what I've learned is know yourself, know, but you've got to work on, I do believe, and if, even if you're sensitive, insecure, whatever it is, you better work on accepting some criticism because that's a big part of improving, whether it be you personally or your organization and all the various things that happen within and outside of your organization, you better learn how to accept criticism meaningful, thoughtful critiques, or I don't think you can progress, at least not at the pace and in the way and at the level that you could if you do accept it. Well, and I think this actually comes back to something that kind of affects all aspects of our personal identity and our willingness to grow thick skin and our willingness to face challenges and our willingness to deal uh, with issues without sensitivity and rather uh, a level of stoicism. 
But long story short is when it comes to being able to face this criticism and also being willing to uh, be open to it, again, you've got to have the right mindset. And for some people, it can be uh, almost an impossible task to have the mental fortitude to be open to criticism without taking it personally. Mm-hmm. And I will say this because, I mean, as many of you know, I dealt with some things uh, last year. And you know what I learned from that? And this is going to get into my answer to Tom's question later on, on in the show. But what I learned from that is mental discipline and how mental discipline is the absolute quintessential factor for dealing with a lot of these underlying issues. And what I mean by mental discipline, if I were to make it as simple and uh, attainable as possible... If you cannot sit down for 10 minutes and meditate, and what I mean by that is you can only think about your breathing, okay? 10 minutes, you can only think about your breathing. I, I ask you to try that. And guaranteed, if you haven't been uh, you know, doing this often, it's going to be nearly impossible for you. And what it's proving to you is that you are not really in control. You're allowing your mind to run rampant and be in control. And this is one small step of mental discipline is being able to meditate for 10 minutes and think about nothing but your breath. But then for me, mental discipline was like, I want to change the way that I look. I want to change the way that I think about things. And so for me, that mental discipline was some sort of form of daily exercise. And the daily exercise was me disciplining my mind and really getting to a repetitive routine where I was like, okay, I can do this. I can do this. But the interesting thing about the daily exercise is how it uh, pervaded into a lot of other things. If, for example, you know, anxiety, it really decreases substantially when you have, when your body is trying to work all the time to essentially catch up with, you know, what you did that morning. And so, for example, the daily exercise, it's all about doing it in the morning because then you're burning calories all day long. You're not as anxious. You're more calm minded. You know, I mean, it's a ripple effect. And so for me, building up the mental discipline was in that daily exercise, which I'm not going to lie in the last five weeks, because I've been enamored uh, with my new girlfriend who I'm just absolutely head over heels for. I've kind of decreased on the daily you exercise. You heard it here first. <laughs> Cats out of the bag. Uh, yeah, well, she's a keeper. So anyway. Um, she is pretty cool. Um, but that said, for me, the mental discipline came from the daily exercise. And even as I just got back into it this week and realizing, man, there are just so many benefits to this. Like, why do people... All right, I'm not trying to bash on you, okay? I'm just asking a question. I'm like, why do people go running? Why do people do all this like super strenuous exercise when you can do 15 minutes of hardcore exercise and be like totally good for the day? Like you don't as long as you're doing exercises that are like multi-group, like multi-muscle group, then you're essentially you know, hitting whatever you need to hit. And then because you did it in the morning, now you're burning calories all day long. Because you did it in the morning, you prove to yourself that you can do it. Because you did it in the morning, you are now starting off the day with an accomplishment rather than, uh, oh man, how is this day going to go kind of mindset. You know, it, all, it always kind of comes back to the whole what if, right? A lot of people, they come to our trainings, Rob, and they're like, well, what if I do this? What if I do that? And I go, Arr! stop. You know what happens when you think about what if? you're distracted. Do you know what happens? You get distracted, you crash. 
So we are not going to allow for what if. If you think about what if, it is going to happen. If you tell your mind, I am in control, and we are not thinking about what if, we are going to focus. Because as soon as you think about what if, what if happens. And so I just to kind of reiterate on everything that you were saying about how you've got to be open to that criticism, you've got to allow the criticism. I think a lot of people are not mentally prepared, myself included. Uh, to be able to handle that criticism all the time. It is a skill like drinking beer that takes time to evolve and be useful. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, you didn't just come out of high school ready to pound a 30 pack, ready to go. It just, it didn't happen. You know, it took some time. Still not there, Paul. <laughs> Still not there. I would say I, I peaked already. And I'm yeah. already coming down. A 30 pack. Wow. Look, the only thing that I need to drink uh, three or a multiple of three of is a uh, Worst Fest liter, and uh, I'll leave it at three. So. Oh, but they have such crappy beer there. What? That's crappy beer. I'm still excited to go, but it's not good beer. Well, I will say the last year that we went, they oh. got rid of all the Spaten beer. Was that, that was it, right? They got rid of one of the German manufacturers, and they replaced it with Shiner, because Shiner was like the sponsor. Come on. That was a mistake. Shinerbach? I know, really? I agree. That was a big mistake by Worst Fest. And if you like Shinerbach, I mean, Happy more power you. to you. Yeah. I, that's awesome. I would ask you. I do, don't. <laughs> would you like, do you like Shinerbach because you're from Texas or because you like Shinerbach? I'm just, it's a legitimate question. Yeah. Uh, and whatever. I would take I really a don't care. over that. I just don't day, want but... that to be my only dang choice. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on from yeah. criticism. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll see. Dear Worst Fest. Dear Worst Fest. As we're talking about how to handle criticism, <laughs> we're going to dish some out for you. Not to mention the good folks at Shinerbach. <laughs> Well, and I mean, I haven't given any constructive feedback other than I don't like it. Anyways, well, that brings up an important point, right? We are all so prone and and uh, happy to give criticism because as a third party, it's so easy to uh, analyze two other parties and say, "Oh, well, this is your problem," right? I mean, we get so myopic in our uh, our how do I say this? Our routines, our habits, our relationships that it's often almost impossible to step out of that and gain a truly objective perspective. But yet, when we're not innately involved in those things, it's easy to provide that objective perspective. And it's important to understand, look, if you dish it out, you got to be able to take it. And if you dish it out and you can't take it, well, you're a child. All right, I digress. Ouch. <laughs> <laughs> but perhaps, yeah. So, the I mean, what I was thinking, and then you just sort of alluded right into it, a lot of it is becoming very self-aware. Mm -hmm. I think self-aware. What is it? Self-awareness and hard work? That's right. Yeah. That's what What's-His-Name says? That's what Elon says. Yeah. Anyways, I think that's uh, really powerful and it's so simple. I love simple and powerful. So, well, yeah. I actually recently read a statistic that it was like 9.5 times out of 10, the more simplistic option is typically the better one because yeah. of humanity's... Uh, uh, what is it? Innate desire for com for complexity, powered by Hollywood's always giving us a twist that we never thought of. So we always want to go with a complex option. But anyway, I digress. That we never thought of. They just follow a formula. Yeah, yeah. But um, Anyways. Tom, but Tom, um, back to your initial question. Uh, what really helped us? I will say that in my eyes, I think what is critical to understand as an entrepreneur is failure. Failure, failure, failure. Uh, in fact, we talk about this with PJ all the time and poor guy. 
Um, but um, <laughs> I say that because I shouldn't say poor guy because he has face failure and now he's very experienced and he's got that perseverance now that is pretty much very rare. And so because mm -hmm. he has that, he's able to make much better decisions like choosing to work somewhere else other than, okay, never mind, I digress. Uh, <laughs> Not all decisions. Oh, PJ, you almost got it. Anyway. <laughs> you know what? We can't all make good decisions all the time. That's right. <laughs> PJ. Oh, I hope you laughed at this. Uh, I know you did. Anyway, long story short is my answer to Tom's question is as an entrepreneur, you have to be able to fail. And what I mean by that is it's a lot easier to succeed when you have failed because now you know the pain. Now you understand the issue as a whole. And if you can look back at failure and be objective in the lessons that you learned and apply that in the future, your propensity for success goes up by a magnitude of scale. Because when you go through this failure and you're hard on yourself and you go through the pain and you really learn these lessons, if you apply those lessons, in my eyes, it's a lot easier to attain success. And that's actually... You know, one one example all the time that I like to use uh, when uh, for true success is uh, an entrepreneur who has created a scalable business that they don't have to be present for all the time. That just kind of runs like a, a a greased engine, like a EcoBoost engine. It's just it's ready to fire up at any given time. It doesn't matter if it's hot or if it's cold or if you're towing ten thousand pounds. It's got it. And that is true success because true success in my eyes is not going all in on your business. Yes. I mean, I just said that you go all in for a long time, but you've got to be able to have that balance to enjoy your life. Otherwise, you're going to end up like my dad. Sorry, dad, uh, where your career becomes your identity and you don't have anything else, which is I will I, I'm going to be really vulnerable right here. I'm deathly afraid of that for myself. I mean, like people know me as drone you. I mean, that that is that is what people know me for. And I want to have uh, something beyond that, although the love of flight for me runs so deep. It's uh, it's 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 molecular at this point. And so I'm oh, not that's deep. I'm not really sure. Uh, I, maybe I need to be focusing on how do I apply myself outside of drone U in my work life balance to not be a uh, not let my uh, career be my identity because I would say right now it is. Well, which isn't a bad thing. I've really enjoyed it and I yeah, continue to enjoy it. Something that you love. Um, but so, I also, maybe I want to pull a George Bush and I just want to start painting and doing real, real fun, nice paintings out here in the uh, Texas uh, countryside. Yeah, we got to get a ranch like his first. <laughs> I guess I'm going to be all in in the business for a little while yeah. longer. <laughs> right. So would you say it's a it's uh it's not about like running towards failure per se, but it's it's about not being afraid of it. I think that's chances. right. And and actually bringing PJ back into the conversation, that's something I really do admire about him and I've seen him do that in terms of trying things. And he'll say that he's made some mistakes relative, well, a lot of things that are his story to tell. That I think, uh, like you alluded to, because he was willing to go for it. Yeah, he might. I don't know. I, I try not to have regrets when it comes to that kind of thing because you just don't know until you try. 
And some things are obvious. We might look back and say, it's pretty obvious. I probably shouldn't have done that. But most things aren't. But here's the thing is that a lot of people are afraid to try. They're afraid exactly. to go all in on a business because they're afraid of failing. Mm -hmm. And I think if you shift your mindset to say, look, failure is cool. I'm cool with failure. If I fail, there was like, you're not in control of everything. There are variables that are going to come up and you might fail. Okay. Luckily in my life, thank God, um, I have had a lot of failures, but not catastrophic failures that I couldn't work back from. Right. And I want to clarify that. I'm not talking about catastrophic failure. I'm just talking about failure that uh, temporarily, even for years on end, holds you back, okay? We can come back from these things. But the mindset of being okay with failure, I think is going to free so many people's minds of being afraid to start, being afraid to try something new, being afraid to try a new business, uh, you know? And, and I just have to say that, like, if you fail first, you actually have reduced the learning curve significantly to know what to do right. And I mean, I hate to say this, but let's look at uh, let's look at divorce rates. Let's look at kids. You know, so many kids are like, well, I come from such an adverse background. My life was horrible. I was, you know, I this happened or that happened. Every single time I meet one of those people, I'm like, aren't you grateful for that? Aren't you grateful that you had a shitty upbringing? Because guess what? I did too. And I'm not going to go into what happened to me as a child. But long story short is I say, I'm grateful for that. You know why? Because I have lived the worst and I'm getting to live parts of the best. And this makes the decision point of what I want to do in my life incredibly easy because I know that even though it seems almost impossible and is super difficult to do the right thing every day and rise above and, and, and live the high road, while it's really difficult, the gratification over time is worth its weight in gold. The instant gratification of doing things right now because they feel good or reacting emotionally to someone else because it feels good in the moment, you know what? That's not going to lead to ultimate success and happiness because if you succumb to the instant gratification, whether it's buying the chocolate cookie at the checkout line or yelling at someone because you feel good about it, um, well, Rob, if you keep buying cookies, you're going to start looking like me and I don't think you want that. So drop the cookies. Okay. Anyway, uh, <laughs> my point is that if you succumb to the instant gratification all the time and I'm, look, I'm still learning this myself. Okay. We are all human and grace is a key part of everything that we've talked about is having grace for yourself. But if you succumb to the instant gratification, how do you ever expect to be successful in the long term? That's my question for you. Good question. I think one last point that I wanted to bring up because this is something I've learned. Were you mad at my cookie comment? I saw your thumbs up. I saw that. That's why I've called your cookie comment out. I'm buying the cookie. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying the cookie. This Anyways. is turning into like a 741 song about the cookie. But anyway. <laughs> and I don't, I don't want to pontificate on this, but I do want to say that I think one of the things that sort of this all speaks to as well, and certainly in terms of being secure in who you are and being self-aware is you got to be able to surround yourself and, and seek out people that are smarter than you, at least mm. in a particular area. And I think ultimately for any organization to truly thrive long term, 
the founder or founders have to figure that out and allow for that to happen. I mean, you see a lot of entrepreneurs and you're talking and even talking sort of in the unicorn world, the companies that go crazy and become billion dollar companies or even multi-million dollar companies, you find often where the CEO or let me let me back up the founder ultimately gives up the CEO hood to somebody else that's more qualified for that and they focus on one piece of the business which might be the creative side or whatever it is they do the design side the engineering side right because you have to be able to do that there's just no possible way for us to be able to do everything even though a lot of us try and by us i mean like we've done that a little bit too much here probably and i'm sure a lot of folks out there so that are listening still, gu- still guilty of it yeah have have done the same thing so be looking for people that are smarter than you and and really focus on what you're good at and what you enjoy the most and i think that is going to propel your uh, your success rates quite a bit higher. It is really powerful advice too. And if people would do this in the real world, their lives would change uh, within thirty days. Yeah, I uh, guess it comes back to the who, not how. Well, I wasn't it, even thinking about that. That, that is but. that is a very very good point. But I mean, I wanted to put the analogy in the in the sake of high school, right? Everyone knows the popular girl from high school or the the popular guy from high school. And if that's your if your smartest environment is like high school, then that's what you're going to peak to and you'll never peak beyond that. And as as you grow your influence, uh, you should be seeking influence beyond yours, such as people who are smarter, because then you'll never peak. You'll continue to grow, continue to grow, continue to grow, continue to grow. And for anyone who's like, I don't want to keep growing. I don't want to keep learning. Well, I mean, I found not, it makes... I don't think we're talking to that person. <laughs> I don't think we are either, but you know what? <laughs> They're not listening. Yeah, so maybe I shouldn't go down that rabbit hole. But the important point here is... Um, that surrounding yourself with people who are smarter than you is probably the easiest way to expand your horizons and perspectives beyond your very small closed-in world. And even though you feel like you have grown and you're not in that closed-in world anymore, we are creatures of habit. We are human. And I mean, you know, it may sound like we are so great because we can tell you these things and we're perfect, the furthest, <laughs> furthest from the truth, okay? We are all human, and I will say this, I have to relearn at, a lot of things. Uh, I would say at least every five years, if not every two. I don't want to talk about it. Um, <laughs> thanks, Rob. <laughs> thanks, Rob. No, no, I mean me, not you. <laughs> oh, silly. yeah, I'm sure. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Rob. <laughs> I just thought I would, uh, I would see perspective, see what I did there. All right. <laughs> but no, oh, I just think it's anyways. important to, uh, to, to bring up because um, you're going to relearn these things. You don't just learn it once like a math problem and then you know, keep it in your mind forever, right? I mean... It's not a multiplication table. A three, four, five triangle doesn't always equal a five. I I just messed that up. I'm not a math person. Look, at least 400 (laughs) people could fit in this room, Rob. Okay, so... (laughs) Anywho, hope that's helpful. Um, I I think it would be really great in terms of feedback, comments, if people would let us know what you've learned, what the the advice is that you've been given. How about you, Tom, who asked the question? I want to know what you've learned. What have you been told? I know um, you're having some good success and you're a go-getter and I and yet we see you take risks, which is awesome. And so what have you learned? What do you know um, that you can pass on? Yeah, it's, it's, there's probably a lot of, we could probably have an entire show on lessons learned from the drone industry. Um, because I mean, gosh, there, there, it's it's astronomical. But the, if I yeah. would leave everyone with one thing, I would leave it with my hardest lesson learned. And you know what that hardest lesson learned 
is humility and building relationships because I am my father's son and I want to tell everyone what they're doing wrong. And it is a curse. It is an absolute curse. And I have learned the hard way that relationships are everything. People are everything. And you also have to uh, have a level of thick skin because this world is inundated with frauds and fake people. And the drone industry is full of them as well. There is no industry that is safe from this. And uh, you've got to have discernment. So my point is humility, relationships, discernment. Um, yeah, I think uh, I think that's it. Also, you know, with failure comes the ability to handle conflict. And that, again, stems from mental discipline. And I say that because I feel like a lot of people are afraid of conflict. And I think it's just because oftentimes we don't uh, know how to deal with that. So anyway, yeah. gosh, we could turn this into an eight hour show if we're not careful. Well, on that bombshell, that's going to do it for us today. My name <laughs> is Paul. I'm Rob. And I got a lot to learn. Me too. We believe that videos, images, words, and sounds have the absolute power to inform, inspire, and entertain. We reject indecision, confusion, and vanity, for they work against the community. We are united under the virtues of safety and knowledge. We are a training community of learners and teachers who encourage and energize each other to achieve greatness. We are pilots, videographers, photographers, freelancers, business owners, enthusiasts, experts, and apprentices. We are creators. We are the Drone Youth.